Before Saturday, the only knock on this 2019 Oklahoma defense was that it wasn't forcing any turnovers. Takeaways were the talk of the town for eight-plus months leading up to the season, and despite the extreme emphasis on that part of defensive football, OU didn't get any in Week 1 against Houston. After that game, Alex Grinch said he was devastated. They got two, we got none. Tell me why, Grinch said after the Sooners beat Houston 49-31 on September the 1st. That message was well-received because the Sooners responded in Week 2, taking the ball away from South Dakota three times, one of them a pick six by Brendan Radley-Hiles. OU took the ball away two more times in Game 3 against UCLA, and after a bye week, the Sooners forced one turnover against Texas Tech. It was a great play by Neville Gallimore, never giving up, chasing down Jet Duffy from behind, popping the ball out, allowing his teammate to recover. One month later, Gallimore's hustle play is still the Sooners' most recent takeaway. It wouldn't be that big of a deal if OU didn't just give up 48 points to a one-dimensional Kansas State team. But OU did, and it was shocking. Just when we were all starting to get comfortable with the idea that Oklahoma's defense was actually good, the Sooners slapped us back to reality. After the game, Grinch talked about the lack of takeaways, something that's unfortunately become a constant theme during his press conferences. Grinch said, quote, The lack of takeaways reared its head. We talk about takeaways equal victories, and it hasn't applied yet, but it certainly applied today. We knew we were going to come down this road at some point, and unfortunately, we're going to have to learn a real hard lesson that way, end quote. Even if OU does learn its lesson, it may not matter. A loss to Kansas State ensures that Oklahoma no longer controls its own destiny. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Jalen Hurts, backwards pass. It is another trick play. Basquin pulls it down. Now he's going to fire one. It's A.J. Parker intercepts what was a ball put on a tee by Charleston Rambo, returns it inside the Oklahoma red zone. Kansas State would punch it in for a touchdown to take the lead before halftime. Oklahoma did find a way to get a field goal before the half. Gabe Burkich, probably the player of the game for Oklahoma on Saturday in, the, in, uh, in Manhattan. But you all know how the rest of it played out. Oklahoma was dominated in the third quarter. Had a late comeback in the fourth quarter, but ultimately the Sooners lose to Kansas State 48-41. to Out of absolutely nowhere. Grant and I were dead wrong about this on the podcast, and now it's time for us to kind of vent and hopefully be uh, a sounding board for some of you who are still kind of shocked and confused on to what happened on Saturday. This is going to be one of those, uh, one of the more interesting type podcasts because Grant and I are going to treat this as the game kind of just ended and we're just going to react to a lot of it. Unfortunately, him and I did not have a chance to go back through a full rewatch yet. So a lot of this stuff is going to be somewhat off the top of our heads and it'll be candidly more of a fan-like take, if you will. Although I know at least one aspect of the game I'm a little bit more measured on than I was following the game. And you all might guess which part of that it is. But uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but without any further ado, let's bring in Grant for the first time. Grant, uh, 
I got to be honest with you. I was not looking forward to doing this podcast today. Uh, this is the first time in a while, and it's kind of a lame thing to say, but uh, yeah, kind of a, you could say that maybe I'm a front runner because I've been really excited to do these post-game podcasts when Oklahoma wins, but after this really bizarre loss that uh, pretty much, unless crazy things happen, may have uh, ruins too strong of a word, but De- like a big time blow to Oklahoma's season and the rest of the college football season for us. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be a tough one for me. So, what about you? Yeah, it's it's hard not to uh, not to say that I feel a little sad this morning. As as lame as that sounds, like you said, um, that game really sucked yesterday. Um, I don't know if I've ever been more wrong handicapping a game in my entire life. Um, it kind of seems like every point that I made was dead dead wrong, completely wrong. Um, and I think a lot of that you have to give credit to to Chris Kleiman and his staff. That was one of the biggest pantsings uh, I've ever seen in a coaching matchup. Lincoln Riley and his staff got absolutely outclassed by Chris Kleiman and his staff on Saturday. And that's that's what else can you say about that other than it's just incredibly disappointing. Yeah, uh, and that's a good way to start this because we like to be accountable here on West of Everest. We always do what we want to see happen, what we what will happen in the game and that's when we make our predictions and obviously predictions are they're never uh guaranteed and you and i obviously predicted big wins for oklahoma and we're not the only ones like a lot of i mean this was a game i know some sharp betters were kind of leaning towards kansas state because that's a lot of points on the road but i don't know if anybody was out there was strongly yes kansas state you got to play the wildcats here i think this might have been either uh, a slight lean to the the home dog or a pass, and judging or based on the fact that we watch this team every single week, we we watch tape on Kansas State. We look at the numbers. It just it this game looked like it should have been at at worst uh, a you know uh, a cover by Oklahoma, or at worst maybe uh, K State covers by a few points because. That offense coming in was an offense that we anticipated an Alex Grinch defense would be able to slow down because it's it's so one-dimensional. And what we found out, Grant, is that when it's not a spread-type offense, perhaps there's a huge weakness in this Alex Grinch defense because, boy, Oklahoma got ran on, and the offensive coordinator for Kansas State called a heck of a game. And Alex Grinch and that group had no answers. And, yeah, you, you said it. Lincoln Riley and Grinch got pantsed. And it was uh, – it's tough to find words because it was so confusing. I mean, a lot of people I was you know, following during the game were also confused by it. It just – it didn't make as much sense. It didn't make much sense. But then when you think more about it, and hindsight's twenty twenty. you mentioned Chris Kleiman. He's a really good coach. Uh, Scotty Hazelton. I think he's going to be a really good defensive coordinator. Oklahoma's offense got its points, albeit late, but there were times in that game where Kansas State's defense made Oklahoma's offense look ordinary. And offensively, a Kansas State offense that had been terrible in the Big 12 for the most part looked really good. And I'll be interested to see if this Kansas State team looks like that ever again this year. I doubt it. They won't. Now, they will not. Now, they won't. Because well, I mean, people are going to see him coming, and, and they're not going to have – I mean, it, it – Put it this way, and this is going to be one of my many maybe sour grapes takes of the day. Didn't it kind of seem like Kansas State had been preparing for Oklahoma for like the last month? And they kind of just, the last few games, I know they beat TCU, but it's almost like, eh, whatever. Because, I mean, you look back at some of those other games against like Baylor, they just didn't look very good at all compared to what we saw on Saturday. And, you know, credit to those guys because they had Oklahoma 
and they had Oklahoma on the ropes in the third quarter. I mean, so anyways, uh, this could could be a podcast full of kind of random rants by you and I. What do you got next? Well, I guess I mean, wh- where else can you start? I guess I it's. Um, one, obviously, the disappointment of how poorly they played, how much they were out-prepared for the game. But also, I, I don't know if I've ever seen... Um, and, and I'm of course, this is recency bias, uh, but what a masterful performance from Kansas State's offensive coordinator. Um, it, it seemed like a vast majority of the time, he knew exactly what Oklahoma was going to do on every single play. Um, every single run call they called basically was running away against Alex Grinch's stance or uh, slants and stunts. Um, they, they were just incredibly prepared and, and also, but probably the most frustrating aspect of the game to me, uh, while watching it played out is that Skylar Thompson absolutely played the best game of his career on Saturday. Um, really, really frustrating that Skylar Thompson actually made some very tight window throws during the game. So, like, when, when Oklahoma actually did do things right in the secondary, Skylar Thompson was still beating them, and, and that, that is very frustrating. Skylar Thompson is, is, not, is not particularly good. Uh, he, he looked much better yesterday than he has in his entire career. Um, and Partio, you know, wants to say just hats off to him for playing a good game, and you got to do that to some extent. But also just, like, really? I mean, come on. Some of the plays that he was making... <laughs> Some of the throws he made are just are not throws that he's capable of making on a consistent basis, and um, it's just one of those days. I, I it's I, I know a lot of people made the same comparisons while the game was going on. If you're on social media, and I think they even said it uh, on the broadcast as well. But that game just very very similar to the the collapses that Ohio State has had against outmatched opponents the last couple years. It, it was just came completely out of nowhere. And made even more frustrating by, you know, since Big 12 play started, this Kansas State offense has been the worst offense in the Big 12. Just really disappointing. Yeah, there's one throw that I can, I'm picturing in my head whenever Kansas State was going from uh, right to left, and it must have been in the third quarter. I think it was a third down play where he threw a ball and there was like a window between three different Oklahoma defenders. And it's like, well, Oklahoma should probably have a guy there. And it was clearly like in that, like one of the, the soft spots, soft spots of his own defense, but it wasn't an easy throw. It was a throw where he had a, a window of maybe about two, two to four yards, maybe. And I mean, it's not an easy throw, and he just plucked it right in there. He just put it right in there, and I think it was a third down throw. And I mean, it was one of a handful on the day, if, they if had, not more. They had four third, third and long conversions that were. Uh, that were devastating. They were very reminiscent of the first Texas game last year and how devastating they were. Um, where he just he he just he was a different player. He he did something that he I I don't know if he's been or that he's shown that he's capable of doing in his entire career. Uh, another one that comes to mind is uh, the corner route that he hit that he hit Dalton Schoen on where he was rolling out to his right. Uh, a perfect throw, an incredible throw. Um, and he's just, he just hasn't shown that capability in his career to, the, to this point. And uh, that's one of those where you just kind of have to chalk it up maybe and just tip your cap and just say just it was their day and it, it was not OU's day. And that's not to say that there wasn't things that OU could have done over the course of the week or during the game that would have kept them in the game or done better. The turnovers were awful. Their turnovers is when the game really turned and got away from them. Um, but, but overall, Kansas State, was, uh, Kansas State was better on Saturday. I think that's very, very obvious. 
Yeah, that's very true. And I'm I got the game up here right now on thank you to uh whoever put it up on youtube already so i can kind of go back because again i haven't rewatched it and i've just i found one third and 13 it's uh 41 23 and this isn't going to be a podcast where i'm going to go get play by play but it's just i wanted to refresh her and it's third and 13 and in kansas state at one point in this drive it was first and 23 and it's a what is this let me do the math here it's an 18 point game with 201 to go in the third quarter and you think okay third and 13 oklahoma's gonna get off the field here and get the ball pretty good field position. And it looks like Oklahoma, and I noticed this too, and now I'm getting my, my memory refreshed. I don't recall Oklahoma doing this a whole lot this year as far as the coverage. It seemed like Oklahoma was playing a lot of cover two in this game, and that's exactly what they're doing here on this third down and long, which I hate cover two on third down and long because you know it's going to be a pass play. And cover two ends up making it to where you only have two deep safeties, so there's some openings. And the weak and, spot in a cover two for a third and 13 is at the sticks at a third and 13, and that's... Well, it's, yeah. And it's it's behind the corner and in front of the safety in cover two. And that's exactly what Skylar Thompson identifies here on this play. And you got you got Brendan Radley Hiles playing the role of a middle linebacker in the cover two. And he's just kinda he's just getting deep immediately at the snap. And they're just going so deep, which makes it this third and thirteen. But Thompson, all he does is he has a an a slot guy on the boundary, and I think it might be shown, and he just runs a little corner out and sits in right behind the corner in front of the safety, it's not that hard of a throw. And it just, now that, again, my memory's being jogged, that seemed to be a weird theme of the day that we have not seen from Oklahoma this year. On third down, I don't remember them challenging the receivers as much as we've seen all year long. And maybe that was because they were afraid of Kansas State's run game, and they were trying to give more cushion because they were they didn't know what to do. They they were afraid that they would get burned on the run game. I have to think. Like, I have to think yeah. the thought process there is that they were gonna they were gonna force Skylar Thompson to fit it in the tight windows. And geez, I mean, hell if he did, he did. Like, yeah, I, but I, I mean, the best way to force people force bad or not bad. He's an okay quarterback to throw into tight windows is to play tight man coverage. I mean, those windows yeah, are even I agree. more tight. I, I mean, look at that. the. I mean, I know this is an extreme example because this is the right now one of the best defenses in, in years, but I mean, look at the Patriots. That's what the Patriots are doing right now. They're just playing tight man coverage and asking NFL quarterbacks, hey, yeah, make these throws, and a lot of these players aren't being able to do it. And for whatever reason, Oklahoma's been doing that a lot this year. They've been playing a lot of man coverage and forcing quarterbacks to make some throws, and for whatever reason, that wasn't the plan against Kansas State. Well, you got you got to you got to remember. I mean, Parnell Motley got kicked out of the game five minutes into it, so that that yeah, could have been, had, that might have changed so, their calculus a lot. It might have, it might have. But I mean, we like Jaden Davis, we like Trey Brown. I mean, there there shouldn't. And I mean, both all three of those players have played a lot of snaps this year, so I don't think that's that good of an excuse. I mean, Parnell he lost his cool and got kicked out. That was dumb. So yeah, I mean, he's got to like, be smarter than that. None of these are good excuses. Alex Grinch got freaking manhandled on Saturday. Like he had no idea what to do, how to stop anything, um, and that's 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 just not good. I don't know. It, it, it's tough because it's been it's been so great up to this point, but like I, I hate to just simply say maybe this type of offense with the tight sets and everything is just this types of defenses kryptonite. But Kansas State was in the spread a lot in this game. They were four wide a lot in this game. They were running to the boundaries a lot. Um, they what? just OU just wasn't ready to play on defense. They were. It seemed like they were surprised with everything K State did, and K State didn't do anything different than they've done. With what I saw on tape, they just no, they didn't. No, it, it, 
to me, it, it was even more surprising considering the way the first series of the game played out. The defense looked more than ready in the first series of the game. Three and out. Uh, for the eighth time this year, Oklahoma's defense forced a punt on its uh, opponent's opening drive. And Oklahoma's defense started fast yet again and you know, only allowed then a, lot, you know, a lot of touchdown later in the quarter. Uh, so it was, it was working for the first series. And it's like Kansas State, whatever they saw, they're like, all right, yep, we're going to have a plan here for this. And uh, now that, I mean, I'm, again, I'm kind of scrubbing through this. I got the sense as I was watching and, and I was taking notes for a bit, but then I kind of, the game was so tight and I was getting annoyed. I stopped taking notes in the game, but Kansas State was able to run the ball really well. And it seemed to me like Oklahoma failed over and over again. And maybe on the rewatch, I'll see this to not be true, but it seemed like it just from, from now that they could not set the edge against Kansas State for whatever reason. That's absolutely like they correct. Were getting, they could not they were getting, whatsoever. Which is something that Oklahoma's been really good at, actually, this year, is setting the edge because it always seems like they have somebody in, in each gap. And so that, that was very disappointing. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of distracted as I'm trying to watch and get to certain parts of the game. But, uh, I mean, even with all this bad stuff, Grant, it was looking okay up until the play that we ran in the intro today, which was, I think this can be like an offensive play and also kind of a defensive play. Nick Basquin, the fake, you know, the, the wide receiver pass, and Basquin you know, surveying the field, and I tweeted this out after this play, even though it didn't go well for Oklahoma. I thought, you know what? I trust Nick Basquin when he's back there going through his progressions. He looked like a quarterback back there, you know, identifying, yep, I'm not going to throw this way. And then he found Charleston Rambo, who was wide open, and he, that, he drops it. And it's an easy play, and that's a huge momentum shift because obviously Kansas State scores a touchdown. Uh, credit to Oklahoma for getting a field goal after that, but Kansas State's getting the ball coming out of the locker room. Uh, that was like, such a deflating play. That was the biggest play of the game, very obviously. Um, that- it, it, was, it was an unforced error, which is just so dumb. And so that's why, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations where, you know, OU found themselves in a dogfight going up, you know, in a hostile environment against against an incredibly well-prepared opponent, and Kansas State made all the plays. That's that's what happened. And then, you know, when turnovers happen like that, things can go sideways really quickly. Kansas State, and they were, when they had the ball, they were, they were not snapping the ball usually until there was like five seconds left on the play clock. They were eating up the time of possession. OU, even when they did have the ball, it made it even more... Uh, all it took was Kansas State. What they got two, three and outs to start the the second half, basically, and that would that that's all they needed to separate. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I I can't think of a more perfectly played game uh, that that an opponent has had against OU uh, in a long time. I mean, they Kansas State played a perfect game, and yet Oklahoma still had a chance at the end, which which I, I'm not quite ready to get to that yet because there's still quite a bit to talk about. Uh, time of possession. We knew going into this game that Kansas State, one of the best teams in the country in holding the football. I think they were number five in the nation. And they might be number one now after this game because K-State held the ball for 38 minutes compared to Oklahoma, who had it for just a shade under 22 minutes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you called it. The, the way the Oklahoma offense played in the third quarter – and you know, two, three and outs, that's all it needed. And with the way the Oklahoma defense was playing at that point, it it was it really did feel like uh, it felt like the 2018, 2017, shades of 2016. Uh it, it was it was so weird. And I said in my opening take that, you know, just when 
we kind of started getting comfortable with the idea that this Oklahoma defense might actually be good, the Sooners come out and just kind of slap us right back to reality, Grant. Like, nope, it's it's not fixed yet. There's still some issues, and it comes in an in a, in a incredibly bizarre way. Not against Texas, not against uh, you know an offense that's that's very highly rated in the S and P and efficiency wise. Uh, not against um, really. I mean, that's the best offense Oklahoma's faced this year, statistically wise, is Texas. I mean, not uh, a couple weeks from now against an Iowa State team that actually had a, a pretty decent offense this year. Comes against Kansas State, a team that I believe you mentioned in the last podcast that has been averaging what 4.6 yards per play or something like that since the big 12 play began for yep, them yep oklahoma state just shut them down cold oklahoma state shut kansas state down exactly held kansas state to 13 points granted that game was in Stillwater, but it shouldn't matter yeah baylor's it, defense it went into manhattan and uh i can't say did nothing um skylar thompson looked awful in that game his his first read was taken away in that game and he you know he, he peed down his pants every single time uh just a. I, uh, just a really bizarre game, and I, I don't really know how to square it because it's it, it's even it, it's even more surprising than that Iowa State game a couple a, a couple years ago, uh, just because of how dominant it was, and I, and because Mike Stoops was still involved, we knew the defense still had some issues. I mean, this is where the defense has actually looked competent for the first time in years and it, it yeah we, we came into the game mentioning yeah this team has given up some big plays here and there in the run game not necessarily in the past game we kind of expected Kansas State to break off a couple of them but K-State broke, broke off it seemed like damn near 10 explosive run plays if not more and then they even got some explosive plays in the past game too so I mean that's I agree with you this is more surprising than the Iowa State game even so though that game a, was in Norman is, is this a, is this a game where you're just and I know th- it makes it a lot harder uh, to answer this question without seeing the next game, but is this a game that you maybe just just throw away and just say it was so weird and it everything went against them and they were so ill prepared and just it was a perfect storm? Do do you just hope that you can just throw this game away and just chalk it up as an aberration? And of course, I think that's what everyone's number one hope has got to be right now that that's the case. Um, but God, I mean, they were the defense was was awful. It, it, they were so awful. Um, I, I thought I, I thought Kansas State's offense uh, operated very similarly to like I said Texas's offense in the first game last year, where you know even when even when they weren't getting chunk plays they were still getting three or four yards and you know and then and then converting on third and long when yeah you know when they really that shouldn't was the be. killer man that and, was the um, all the third down conversions yeah third and long conversions and so and and you had also mentioned this during the game as well but. Um, all the dif- all the difference makers that OU's defense had had seemed to produce so far this year completely quiet in this game. I, I mean, just not even the defensive line outside of Marquez Overton, totally quiet. Didn't really make any plays at all. And that was by design, I think, by Kansas State. It seemed like it was either runoff tackle or Oklahoma did not set the edge for some reason. Maybe because of uh, the way they were stunting up front or going, you know, the, or you know, throw a quick little pass into the slot against. Uh, to a receiver that doesn't have anybody covering him because we know Oklahoma has been susceptible to passes in the slot because they like to play off. They like, you know, Buki, you know, the nickel, they, they they don't cover that guy in the slot a lot of the times. And, for example, and I as I keep kind of going back to random plays in the game on YouTube here, this one, at the time, I was so confused, and now I'm even more confused and even angry now that the game is over. 
and you're going to remember this too. We're all going to remember this because we all watched the game. But first half, and things are still going okay for Oklahoma. Sooners up 20 to 14, 341 to go in the second quarter. And Kansas State's got a fourth down and six from the OU 34 yard line. And this is, and I think I saw people tweeting about this and, and putting screenshots. And you know what? And this was kind of deserved. People were saying, like, is Mike Stoops calling the defense for this play? Because you look at this. And it's fourth down and six, and there's no press anywhere. Oklahoma's playing off the ball. And they it's a two by one or two by two formation. And there's a slot player to the boundary, or I'm sorry, to the field side that's uncovered. And it looks like Pat Fields or Delarian Turner Yell is on him. I can't it looks like Delarian Turner Yell, but he's giving him like twelve yards of cushion. And I push play on the on YouTube, and it's just a simple six-yard out route at the sticks, and he's wide open. It's the easiest throw ever for Skylar Thompson on fourth and six. I, this is like stuff we saw the last three years that we have not seen this season. I well, have no idea what was going on there. Yeah, it, you yeah, might, be I right. don't, might just throw this one away. I don't understand how you don't play cover zero there and then spy Thompson with Murray. How is that we not the them, obvious call them, there? I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, we saw them spy Skyler Thompson a decent amount of times. It, it certainly worked on the first series. Except and Oklahoma only rushed three. Every single time they didn't spy him, he freaking killed him. And it was well. I guess maybe maybe there's one play that's that's sticking out in my mind. It was. I think it was on the the drive where they went up by 25, where they, out of the his last touchdown run, where they uh, it was third and long. I think it may have been third and ten or third and eleven, and um, they. They blitzed Murray from the edge, and and Thompson he wasn't even thinking about throwing the ball. He was he, it was going to be a draw all day long, and he just he just went right into the vacated area and he scored. Um, mm-hmm. So I I don't know. It was it was a really frustrating game. I, I don't. Um, and going back to that fourth and six you were talking about, you get a stop there. Oh, you scores the game's over. Like I, well, you, 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 I you mean, take probably not based on the probably way the defense not, was playing. But, but you take but you take Kansas State out of what they want to do. In that situation, they're down by two scores. Now, maybe if they get the ball to start the the second half, but um, you go up there by two scores, and it's just you you take Kansas State out of out of what they want to do, which is run the ball on first and second down, get the play clock down, and then punish you off of play action. You would have made them a lot more predictable in that situation. So, um, <sighs> but yeah, I what what else can you do? And I'll keep coming back to it. Tip your cap. Kansas State played a lot better than OU did. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. It looked like, uh, just as I kind of, again, scrubbed through a lot of this stuff, Kansas State classic taking what Oklahoma was giving them. Uh, I mean, Kansas State saw on film a lot of the times Oklahoma does not cover the players in the slot. They cover them with a safety at 10 to 12 yards. And I'm seeing just simple five-yard out routes that are easy completions for Skylar Thompson and easy five, six yards. I mean, this is stuff that we saw I mean, again, the last three years where Oklahoma was kind of just allowing teams to get free yards, which we haven't seen a whole lot this season. I know teams have had some success thrown to the players in the slot, but it seems like throughout the game, either either the opposing offenses have, for some reason, gone away from that, or Oklahoma has kind of adjusted and kind of known that's gonna it's going to be there, and they've been able to slow it down a bit and force other offenses to do something else. Didn't happen at all in this game because there was such a great mix of the pass and the run for Kansas State coming in, the Wildcats were a 65% run team per snap. And it's just, it, they were able to be incredibly balanced and they, they smoked OU. Let's, did you, uh, did, and uh, we can move on after this, but do you recall seeing 
that that four three at all that they kind of experimented with against Kansas with Igwegbu as the as the Sam? Did you see that at all? No, I don't recall. I'm, I'm I recall Brendan Radley Howes playing a lot. Yeah, I I do too. And so that you know there were some questions whether or not they would bring that out for Kansas State, and they may not have been able to because, like I said, K State. I mean they. They were. They. I, I saw a thing after the game. They were in the shotgun seventy five percent of the time in this game, um, and and they they were spread out probably a decent chunk of those. But um, I don't know. Just just I, I thought maybe over the course of the game they got to get more more guy more big bodies in there on the run game, and um, it, you know one of the ironic things about about that game. Kansas State came in with a pretty similar offense last year. You no, know, you shut them out. <laughs> And like it's pretty ironic, the, yeah. The, the entire time they I, shut him out, but they shut him down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. K State only scored fourteen, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. I but I remember I remember thinking over the course of the game, like, crap, man. Maybe like the read and react style is like the Mike Stoops kind of three four is the best way to kind of deal with Kansas State's run game of this type. And because yeah, you kind of just catch the blocks and you don't let them fi- have have those big holes and you kind of just decide on where the run play is going and then you tackle them. Because yeah, yeah, every. They- Every chunk play that Kansas State got in the run game was when they guessed right of which direction the slants and stunts were going. Let's talk about uh, takeaways quickly based off of this. And it's just, uh, I, tweet, I tweeted this out, and this is in reference to the, the play that we heard in the intro of the podcast. Four games in a row now, Grand Oklahoma, with no takeaways. And I mentioned this in the opening take. It wouldn't be that big of a deal if Oklahoma would have played good defense yet again and Oklahoma would have won. But now the way Oklahoma played defensively, it it is a big deal because that's something that we've been hearing about and Alex Grinch and the whole team has been talking about for now. We're going on 10 to 11 months and it's four games in a row where there's where there's nothing. And the, the turnover battle affected Oklahoma big time in this game. This is the way it's going for Oklahoma defensively when it comes to takeaways. Leading up before this game, because this game, Oklahoma, only I think only seven tackles for loss, just one sack. And I think that sack might have – was that Ronnie Perkins' sack on the opening series? Was that technically a sack for Perkins? I think it was. No, they got, a, it. they got a sack oh, in the not? second half when they were down by like 25, I think. Okay. All right, so – Yeah, Overton still, got one. Yeah, and he played well. I mean, he was in the backfield a good amount of times. So, I mean, the the Havoc numbers, I don't know if you have them in front of you, but I, for this game, they certainly weren't as good as they have been the last – three games for Oklahoma I did see Oklahoma had four PBUs so I mean that's pretty good point being havoc wise the last three games before this one Oklahoma has been very good yet you brought it up a couple podcasts ago statistically they should have they should have already been forcing turnovers they're going to come and yet still no turnovers flip it Kansas State allows a wide receiver to go through his reads and make a good decision and it's a gift wrapped interception that ends up potentially turning the game. And, and so Kansas state gets a free turnover, a free takeaway while Oklahoma is doing a lot of things right for the last month, for the most part, and can't force one. Like, what is that? It's like, this is like my, you know, my, my Homer, like, come on take of the day because it, it just doesn't make any sense that Oklahoma is able to do all this stuff yet. You know, Flip it, and then Kansas State gets this easy free turnover. It's like, why couldn't have Oklahoma gotten one of these uh, against Kansas State or one of these in the last month? And it goes back to something I think Alex Grinch has said multiple times, is that he's not sure if the guys 
believe that they really can get these turnovers. And I've always kind of thought, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I believe that that's what Grinch thinks, but it hasn't been until now where I really think that might be the reason why the turnovers aren't coming. This team still doesn't think it can get them. It's just, it's not in their head. And, and a perfect example of that, Grant, is late in the game when Oklahoma had a perfect chance to, to intercept Skylar Thompson and the ball was thrown right to Trey Brown and he just like, I, it like hit off his shoulder pad and, I, I, that was he just whiffed on it. He whiffed it just, on it. And you, so it's you, use your hands. Use your hands. You don't even have to dive, and he could have returned it. Um, it's just so it's, and that's a and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is a play that you have to make. You have to make that play. If you make that play, OU is deep in Kansas State territory with like a little under five minutes left, only down by ten. You have to make that play. Um, and and what what happened after that? A, a punt that they got down at like the ten yard line, and so OU had to go ninety yards. I just uh, mm-hmm. I'm uh, looking uh, at it right now. I'm watching it right now. I mean, and he had to kind of dive forward across, but it's a play you should have made. He Trey Brown makes that interception. Grant Oklahoma's first down at the K State thirty two yard line with four forty two to go. And what if they down by what 10. if they score the very next play? OU can kick away, and they still have three timeouts. Mm hmm. But instead, yeah, like you said, they, they had to drive all the way down, starting at the 10-yard line. And, and you're right. You mentioned that's a play you have to make. That's a play you have to make if you want to be a team like Oklahoma thinks they are, and that's a national championship contender. And we came into this game, I think one of the – maybe the last podcast or two podcasts ago was like, well, I mean, we're starting to believe this is a really good football team. Well, that's all out the door now, Grant, based on the way that game went. Because really good football teams, really good national title teams – they don't. These games don't happen. Yeah, maybe a team comes out with a really good game plan and they punch you in the mouth for a quarter or two. But you you right the ship, you make adjustments, and you and you end up talent wise, you separate. And what happened was Kansas State was a team that separated in the third quarter, which you that that can't happen if you're a team that has national championship aspirations, especially a team that actually has. Uh, a defense that has been playing really good football for the first seven games of the year, and then you get that. It was just uh, it, it. So again, there's nothing that happened in the first seven games that would lead us to make a prediction to where Kansas State, let alone you know, wins the game, let let alone stays in the game uh, for four quarters. And Kansas State did. And it's just it's. Uh, you mentioned you're sad at the start of the show. Yeah, it's you hate to mention that because you know we're adults and you know, it is sports. But yeah, it's it's just it's very deflating. I'll use that as, as the word to describe it. It's a very deflating feeling uh, at the end of October to have you know Oklahoma starts seven and zero for the first time in fifteen years or something like that, and then this happens, going into a bye week. Uh, it's just, huh. I, and I, I, and the I, toughest part yeah. of their schedule still still to remain. So exactly, and and you know and and parts parts that's scary, but parts there's an opportunity there as well. Um, and I don't even know if you want to get into playoff talk uh, right now. It's it's on life support. I think everyone yeah, knows that. There's there's no yeah um, everyone knows. There's no need to. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's probably like, not as dire as people think. They really all they really need is 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 Clemson and Oregon to lose, and they're probably back in if they went out. Um, but you know I maybe, but uh, I mean that's it, it. Just it makes it even more annoying that North Carolina wasn't able to beat Clemson a month ago or whatever it was. Because, I mean, that that would have done it. I mean... Uh, and also, know. there there is still no precedent at all for a one-loss conference champion being, you know, being left out 
in lieu of a of an eleven and one non you know non conference champion. So that that still has never happened, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. So, um, but okay, although I, mean, I I don't know the the media is already kind of banging that drum, so you never know. And I mean, as you'd expect after the game, Lincoln Riley said that. Hey, everybody in the world is going to say that we're done. We know how this works. We know what we're capable of. We've got to do a lot better. Everything is out there, though, for us, and we know that. Uh, Riley said that we've always responded well when we've had a tough games. Like, uh, we've had tough games like this, which, you know, it, it seems like Lincoln Riley's teams are good for one of these a year. Uh, it's, I mean, granted, last year it was Texas, so I mean that that was just a, that was the one loss, is you know. But I mean, I guess two out of the last three years, a uh, a major favorite. And Oklahoma goes down in Big Twelve play. That's that's not great, and it's something to do with uh, I. Brian Mueller uh, at News Nine I work with, he found out that and Grant, there's not a whole lot of these games, but all the losses, all the regular season losses by you know Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley as a head coach, are like revolve around a bye week. Like either a bye week is coming up or they're coming off a bye, so. <laughs> I, I don't know if that means anything, but I, I really thought Oklahoma would be incredibly focused coming into this game because of a bye week upcoming. Like, you want to go in, this is the last opponent. Like, you want to go into the bye week high, feeling great, undefeated. Instead, it's it's like it was the other way around. They're like, ah, we can, we don't need to do a whole lot. This Kansas State team is not that good. We can go in, skate into the bye week, get the win, and, and still be happy, fat and happy. Uh, but no, that's not the way it played out. You want to, uh, so you want to talk about the offense, which was yeah, we need to you know, which obviously you know, the the big I think obviously the biggest wart on the offense in this game was their inability to you know to score touchdowns. Um, I think they kicked four field goals on on Saturday. Is that right? Let's see, three. Uh, yeah. yeah, completely unacceptable on every level. Um, and uh, the the first two are on Lincoln Riley. You do not kick in those situations. And I know he made both of them, but you do not freaking kick in those situations. Like I, I just with the number one offense in the country, that is a that's waving the white flag. And I hated it. I hated it so much. All right, well, this is where I gotta defend Lincoln Riley. We're on totally opposite uh, sides of this one. I I had I didn't even think about field goals during the game because especially early on in the game. Uh, you go into this game, Grant. What we've seen from Oklahoma's defense, uh, you don't ex- you don't anticipate Oklahoma's defense to give all these points up to Kansas State. You're not going into this game thinking, "Oh man, we need touchdowns against this Kansas State team." It's not it's not one of those games. So I, I just I didn't think it was that big of a deal at all that they they kick field goals and uh, it, and they kind of had to kick field goals late in the game. So really, the only ones that you can you can criticize is the first one where what was it fourth down and like three after that ran, like that they almost turned it over. But it was incomplete pass, and it was like a thirty whatever yard. I was like, whatever, that's fine. It's the first drive, and then the defense went out and got a stop, and they went down, scored a touchdown. Whatever. It's not. And then the second one, I think, was what seventeen to fourteen. All right, it was like fourth down, I think, in one, fourth and one or fourth and two inside the ten. Sure, you could make the argument. He kicks yeah, field goals there. on fourth and two and fourth and three deep in Kansas State territory. Actually, no, the yeah, first one, I, the first one was kind of mid, which is I. I don't know. And everyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, I hate field goals. They get you beat. Field goals lose you games. Um, and, and I know the, uh, the game, like the Sooners were down by 25 points at one point in time in this game. But I just, I, I hate field goals so much. Get, get points. You need them, especially in this conference. And I, 
my my point is the two times where you can kind of second guess Lincoln Riley came in the first half when again there's no way in his head he's thinking like yeah the defense is going to give up 48 today like, he probably thought that they're going to adjust which I I thought we all thought they were going to adjust I think that's unacceptable I, I thought they were going to adjust after I think the, I think as an uh, offensive I mean, coordinator I, your mind should always be how can I maximize the amount of points that we're going to score I mean normally he does that though he does so I I just didn't have any issues with with any of that I I thought that was kind but of I just no I I don't like talking it. point I don't like game. it you're if you're on the road you should be aggressive always all right yeah we can just have a difference of opinion on this one I just uh, yeah I yeah you thought it was a big deal I didn't think it was that big of a deal I I thought it was more of a big deal the the two three and outs coming out of the third quarter and, and Lincoln Riley was saying after the game he's just like it's like we just plow we did not play well in the third quarter and think back to a couple of years ago when they. Went into the locker room, uh, just like on Saturday. They went into the locker room with Baker Mayfield down by a point to Kansas State, a worse Kansas State team. And then Oklahoma came out and played a lot better in the second half. And I mean, still needed a touchdown late from Rodney Anderson to win that game in Manhattan a couple but years the offense, ago. But the offense was outstanding in the second half of that game, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just, yeah, went up and down the field. Um, yeah. And, you know, the offensive line absolutely played their worst game of the year. Which is disappointing. I think I, I thought it was pretty clear Kansas State's defense had a really clear plan for attacking OU's run game, and oh, yeah. uh, it no worked. And it, it scared Lincoln Riley away. Obviously, yeah. Anytime they wanted to run the GT counter, I mean, Kansas State just crashed on both polars, and just like that was like they, they didn't care if they gave up anything on the backside. I mean, I don't know, maybe a. I don't know if like a pop pass would have been great there. I saw a lot of the time, though, when they ran the GT counter, yeah, their defensive linemen were crashing on the two polars, but a lot of the time they had a safety or a linebacker coming in on the edge to account for Hurts. So, yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of like Iowa State-type principles where they would have that deep safety play. And, and, and you know what? I got to say, I did see this from them in on tape. So this wasn't like that new. I mean, they Oklahoma should have seen this from Kansas State anyways. And again, like, I like Scotty Hazleton. I think he's going to be a really good defensive coordinator. He's aggressive. He, I mean, I was watching uh, you know, third down and four, you know, the, after Oklahoma held Kansas State to a field goal in the third quarter, and it was third down and four, and instead of a bunch of cushion like Oklahoma was showing on fourth down and six in the first half, I'm looking at Kansas State across the board, press for the most part, and at worst, a two to three yard cushion out of every wide receiver. And I, sometimes I think Jalen Hurts just, he, he makes a decision before the play, and it just it wasn't there on this play. He he wants to go to Rambo. And you know what? It's press coverage, so he thinks that he can go ahead and just get the slant to Rambo. And it's a decent read, but a linebacker comes out and doesn't rush and knocks it down. Whereas uh, it would have been great if he would have actually decided to, to swing it over to CeeDee Lamb, who was going in orbit motion behind him, and just get CeeDee Lamb the football because you, he found uh, out late in the game that that's just a smart play. Do just you put recall, the ball in his hands. Uh, do you recall at all? What the what the play sequence was in those those two three and outs in the third quarter, um, because I remember during halftime, um, even after K State came out and, and got a field goal on that first drive, and the Sooners were down by four, my thought was you have to feed CD Lamb the ball right now. And um, d- do you recall how that how that played out? Well, I'll tell you the very first series of the second half. Looking out right now, first down and ten, handoff to Kennedy Brooks, left ta- off left tackle picks up. Five yards, second down and five, pass play, and Hertz is immediately rushed and throws short to Jeremiah Hall for one yard. So I'm trying to I'm watching back this pass play. It looks like K State's blitzing off the edge. Kennedy Brooks can't pick it up and forces Hertz out of the pocket. 
to go to his checkdown read. So yeah, I mean, nothing to CD Lamb. And then the third play was uh, where they played press coverage, and he identified the press, and uh, he wanted to get the slant with Rambo, which it's there at the snap, but K State shows blitz, but then drops out a linebacker, and the linebacker jumps into the throwing lane and knocks it down. And I, so, I, I mean, you it's, know, it's a good defensive play. I I hate to say this, but in high leverage situations, Lincoln Riley has shown a tendency uh, to to just kind of not change what he's doing and just try to run his offense. And it's it's cost him some games. And uh, this one, it, off the top of my head, the Rose Bowl, off the top of my head, there was a time in the second half where they should have said, screw this, they're playing man-to-man coverage. We need to force the ball to C.D. Lamb and Mark Andrews. He didn't do that at that time. Um, and and this, is, this is not good. You, you got you have a you have a top ten NFL draft pick perhaps a guy who had shown uh, and and actually over the course of the game the the wide receivers has sh- had shown just physically much better than Kansas State's secondary. You got to force him the ball in those situations. And yeah, I know least... I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, and you saw it in the you saw it in the Orange Bowl last year too. That once they started forcing it to Lamb, they started moving the ball, and. Uh, yeah, I was really hoping this would be potentially a a wide receiver, an outside receiver game, because if Kansas State with, I mean, they have a really good front four. I think now, I, I think there's no doubt going like after watching that game, that is the best front four Oklahoma's seen this year. Kansas State's got a good front four. They're all big, they're all beefy, and they they got a little bit of a little bit of speed when they want to. I mean, they're they're good. It's they're been good the worst rush defense in the Big Twelve up to this point. <laughs> really? Yep. Man. I would have never guessed that. Given up about 200 yards a game on the ground. Gosh, I mean they they were they is that, this is it's that's that's what makes me Kansas State was just incredibly well prepared. And that's they what makes me think that they've been preparing for this game for the last 4 weeks because <laughs> just it seemed like it's it's like this was like the first game of the year for them and they've had an entire offseason to prepare. Cuz I they made um and, and I know a lot of people after the game were complaining about how they couldn't get the run game going and you know, I, I understand that, but they Kansas State was blowing up the run game. And, I you know, <laughs> Jalen Hurts was getting chunks of yardage through the air that entire game. So I, I, I can understand. It was just a weird game. I, I think there was a point in time, Lee, after, after, after CeeDee Lamb had that 70-yard touchdown uh, run, which was an outstanding individual play from CeeDee. Um, oh, yeah. At that time, Lee, OU was down, I think, 48-30. to 30? And they were averaging over ten yards per play. Really, and that's absolutely insane. Um, Jeez. And I just it's and yeah, and that shows. Um, looking at the, I was looking at the the S and P projections or the the new rankings this morning, and OU actually only dropped one spot. They're fourth now, and that was because they had a sixty five percent win expectancy uh, during that game because the yards per play differential was so vast. It was nearly five yards per play differential for that game, and. Um, but that that shows you sometimes how how that can be uh, how those stats can lie to you because if you watch that game Kansas State was a lot better and they deserved to win. Yeah, boy, I'm just kind of going through more of these third quarter series and uh, third down and eleven for Oklahoma and Kansas State. They're playing a really aggressive style of defense. A lot of press, a lot of press coverage, a lot of man blitzing. It's just it, it's almost like uh, you know, again I, I know you guys don't this means nothing to you because you're like who's this Scotty Hazelton guy I, he's clearly a really good defensive coordinator 
he challenges his guys to get after it, which is what Alex Grinch has been doing. But for whatever reason, it would seem, again, without rewatching the tape. So uh, I got to give that as a qualifier. It just it seemed like he went away from a lot of his principles on Saturday defensively. And, and it, it was just very confusing. Uh, man, we've gone for about 45 minutes, 50 minutes or so. Uh, yeah, great play by CeeDee Lamb. Uh, let's just, even though it was a really annoying game, we got to give credit where it's due just for creativity. I, the, the trick play to that Nick Basquin ended up getting the explosive play in the first, first half where that looked like that play was going nowhere on the uh, wide receiver screen to CeeDee Lamb that ended up being a flea flicker. Uh, incredibly creative play. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> really sucks that that happened in a loss. And uh, I... I like the idea of uh, you know Nick Basquin throwing and Charleston Rambo was wide open. That play would have worked too if he would have caught the ball. Yeah, I don't understand the criticism of that play call. It was criticism a, the, of that. The, yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, there was a lot of it, I mean, it on social media. It, it, it worked. I mean, like it, it worked that they would have they would have gained twenty five to thirty yards on that play. Because I mean, who, who catches the ball? I mean, maybe yeah. Rambo can break a tackle. Yeah, and the he guy coming be... up to Rambo was not going to tackle Rambo. He was going to break <laughs> out of that. So and he had C.D. Lamb like next to him too that he could have ran out and helped block for him down the field too. So I mean that play yeah that been, uh, the criticism yeah. of that play I don't I don't understand that play worked just Rambo didn't make the play. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right, so is it time to talk about this onside kick? Which I my uh, my thoughts of this were initially different than they are now. They changed. They've they've evolved, if you will, but. Um, Let's just start from the beginning, okay? Well, so I mean, when do you, you have first... any new information? Well, no, but I, I have a feeling that uh, you know, if let's say that you had to do a, a a radio show or a podcast immediately after that game, I don't know if you had all the information. I think now, a day later, we have. I mean, we've got uh, we've got the rule, and we've got the referee statement from the pool reporter, which uh, I was not anticipating at all. So let's start from the beginning. Obviously, it happens. It looks like Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma does recover it, and um, I mean that that was that was great. I mean, I, I was like, wow, they're they're, they're going to have a chance to potentially escape here, and then it goes to review, which everything gets reviewed. And at first, Grant, I, I the angles they were showing us on TV, I just to me it was like there's no way this is conclusive evidence that this ball hit him before ten yards. I thought they showed one angle that maybe showed showed it hit him early and that was like the super up top like all 22 but they clearly zoomed in on it but every other angle like field level or like even like the main camera it just to me it looked like there's no way you could tell when the ball hit him or where it hit him uh it, it so i was just so i was like there's no way this is going to be conclusive enough to overturn considering that they gave the ball to oklahoma on the field and you need conclusive evidence and then it started taking a long time a long time and uh obviously they ended up calling bridges for illegal touching and i was i was mad i i could not believe that they overturned that because how many times throughout a college football season an nfl season are there plays where you're watching it back and you're like oh yeah that's obviously like uh, they're going to overturn this or like oh that's obviously a, a play they're going to keep on the field and then they'll go the opposite way where it's like obvious evidence and they don't overturn it or they do overturn it and it's like what's the point of even having replay if you're going to see it happen in front of you over and over again on replay and you're still going to get it wrong. And so I thought that was a perfect example of there's just not enough evidence to overturn this considering Oklahoma was given the ball on the field. And so that's where I was immediately after the game. And I know that you weren't there. You actually thought it was – you 
so it's, it's interesting how two people can see it different ways. So you thought Bridges, it was the ball very clearly touched Bridges before ten yards, in my opinion. At, at what point? At what? Well, at what point did you make that? Did you think that? Because I didn't even think that that was even the case until they after showed the all twenty, the all twenty-two angle they showed shows it very clearly. See, the reason I didn't think it was very clear at first is because you could tell the camera was not right over that yard line; it was kind of to the left, and so you could make the argument. You always see this with like breaking the plane of the end zone. It's like, oh, where's the camera? Like, oh, can we really tell if they broke the plane of the end zone because the camera's like offset? And I kind of thought that it happened like that. Where who knows if. If you See, I don't, would tilt the camera to the right, yeah, I maybe don't, he was right at the right at the ten yard spot. I don't want to argue about initially. whether or not this was conclusive. I, I thought it definitely hit him before ten yards. We need to talk about well, the other I, thing. Well, that's where I wanted to start. The that's argument, the important though. thing. That, the other. Thing. That's where I wanted to start the discussion though. Was just kind of the the evolution of it because watching it on TV, I, I just I did not think it was conclusive. Even with that angle, I thought there was enough to like. Oh, you know, maybe the camera's in a different spot. You can't overturns okay fine but then i will say later on i went back i went to work and i i watched we have the ability to go frame by frame which they didn't show us on the broadcast and when i went frame by frame which you know who knows maybe they did this at the replay center in dallas when you go frame by frame it is it's pretty clear that it did hit him before the 10 yard and so i, I changed my mind I, I i evolved like okay you know what fine it did hit him it's pretty clear if you go frame by frame Although I still will bring up, I don't understand what ESPN was showing us on the broadcast. The angles they were showing us were terrible. They, they did not show anything. At one point, they said, oh, we've synced up these two angles to see what happened. And you, you heard uh, Orlovsky on the broadcast, like, just so sure that, yeah, it definitely hit him. And granted, he ended up being correct. But the angles they were showing us were not showing it definitely that it hit him before 10 yards. They were showing us, like, a low angle from the field that you couldn't see anything. And then, like, the main angle where there was bodies in the way, and they said it was synced up, but it obviously was not synced up when they played it back because you saw the ball, like, at one spot of the ground, like, on the ground, and then at the other angle, the ball was, like, up off the ground. It's like, you guys are bungling this big time. Just keep showing that angle up top with the all-22. That's the, that's the clearest angle, and yet the director, for some reason, did not think that was a, a pertinent angle to show more than one time. So I thought that was super bizarre. Anyways, though, after the game, you find out that there's questions about Bridges being blocked into the ball, which I was watching the game with, I mentioned Brian earlier, we were watching together, and I'll admit, I didn't know that was a rule. I, I, so I, you know, I was ignorant to the fact that there was a rule to where if you're engaged in a block or you're blocked into a ball, that if you touch the ball, it, that doesn't count. You're not considered touching the ball. And I think if you watch that replay, Grant, it's pretty clear that Bridges is being blocked and engaged in a block, and that's when it hits him. And that's not was, even it's it's there's not even a question about it. Like it's I, I, I don't even think you can you can have the opinion that that it, that it wasn't a block. The Kansas State player was the only one who initiated the contact. He lowered his shoulder. He was going to get bridges out of the way. That's that's it's he was you blocked can make the directly too that into bridges the ball. was going to, to block him to create some room for other people to get the ball too. I mean, you could you could make the argument both ways, but either way, there was certainly a block going on. And that's when it touched him. And again, I didn't know about this rule. And so when I saw this come up in the in the post game from the pool reporter, and I gotta give credit to Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World because she was the pool reporter and she had the the information out there. So here's the statement from the referee Reggie Smith regarding the onside kick. Quote We did consider all aspects of forced touching. However, based on rule two eleven four C, this is why we came to the decision that we that we came to. 
Rule 211-4C was the primary determination for considering force touching, end quote. That's all we got from the referee. So Nothing. the fact that, that which, yeah, that doesn't say anything. But it, 211-4C it, it, is the rule that says, that says if you are blocked into the ball, it's not illegal touching. So he didn't even answer the question. I know, but yet he he did shed some light to the fact that they did consider that rule yet which means they decided that it didn't happen. Which means they can which means they looked at it and they decided that he was not blocking bridges, which is a complete bungle of the call. They completely blew it. Totally so wrong. So this goes back to the what's the point of having these replays if we're just gonna get it wrong? And to throw on to the fact too, I, I really do think that a lot of those angles it was kind of inconclusive. Granted, uh, you know, I take that back because I did admit that I, I it was conclusive on that all 22 angle, which I'm sure they looked at probably more than they showed us on the broadcast. So I'll, I'll take that back. It, it, it definitely was conclusive, but it shouldn't have mattered based on this rule, which, again, I did not know about. And that's just me being ignorant to the game. Uh, yeah, if, if that's the rule, I don't understand how you you don't you don't give the ball to Oklahoma there. You allow them to keep it. I know Lincoln Riley mentioned it in the press conference. After the game, he mentioned a game against Baylor a couple of years, or a, his first year where he thinks that something similar happened to that. He did say, I, I could be wrong about this, but he brought up some Baylor game where that rule came into effect. And uh, I was actually looking back at that box score from that 2015 Baylor game, and I didn't see any, any plays that fit that description. So I don't know. He might be misremembering maybe a different game. Uh, but anyways, it's just you got to put this qualifier on here. Yes, we all know that Oklahoma should not have been in a situation where it was down by a touchdown to Kansas State. Heck, where Kansas State had scored 48 points late in the fourth quarter in Manhattan. We know that. Everyone knows that. But that's separate from the fact that we can still expect officiating to get things right, correct? And if Oklahoma is still coming back and not quitting and making a play like Oklahoma did, I, it's, it's, they still could have survive the game if they would have recovered it and gone down and, and potentially scored maybe tied the game you know it, it wasn't a guarantee Oklahoma was going to win obviously we all know that it's just they were, they were not given the chance to and it would seem that based on the rules what we know that it was a missed call on another onside kick uh 13 years after the worst missed onside kick call ever uh, against Oregon I know that's that's an easy thing to bring up but it, it's because it's true I mean I went back and rewatched that just because everyone was talking about it and it was it was just it's it's hilarious now I mean it was stupid back then but it's like it's just laughably ridiculous that play uh, 13 years ago in Eugene I don't know <sighs> I the, by far the most the most frustrating part of the the onside kick saga is that they originally ruled they originally gave the ball to OU and they reversed it and got the freaking call wrong that is incredibly frustrating thank you that's a good way to sum it all up rather succinctly because you, we always hear about the call on the field. That's a big part of it. Like, whatever's called on the field, it's tough to overturn whatever was called on the field. And it didn't seem to matter there. And they freaking overturned it and got, and got the rule wrong. An absolute, an absolute just blown call by the replay. And I think they said that they went to, like, the Dallas hub or whatever. And I didn't see that, too. I saw some people tweeting about that as well. So, uh, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, a- I was not at the game, so I, I didn't hear the press. I think maybe Riley mentioned that in the presser. And I, I did watch it back, but I, I, I guess I wasn't watching yeah. that closely. For me, but yeah, I, it doesn't it, it doesn't like get to the point of like that Oregon game where it really was the refs. I mean, really did steal oh, that yeah, game yeah. from OU it's, in that game. Sure, sure. Um, but well, because I mean, in, that, this one, in that situation, Oklahoma, this, they recover, the game's over. Yeah, in, in this situation, it's just really frustrating because it was already a really frustrating game. 
there was an opportunity where they had a flurry at the end where, hey, maybe there was an opportunity here to save their season. And then, so already frustrated about how the game has gone, and then they give us a little bit of hope at the end, and then the refs originally make the correct call, and then uh, they overturn it with what is not very conclusive evidence, and also them getting the call wrong is completely unacceptable. <sighs> so there you go. That's our uh, hopefully intelligent... And there is no question about it. It was the wrong call. He was absolutely blocked into the ball. So I I, I would like to see uh, more explanation from the Big 12 on that. And I'm sure Riley is going to ask for it. Yeah, yeah, he'll definitely ask for it. And, you know, this is one of those times where, Grant, it certainly sucks that this game was not on Big Noon Saturday on Fox because they could have had like Mike Pereira or Dean Blandino to come in and talk about that. That ABC, ESPN, Brockett, they didn't have a rules guy. And like we're we're so used to having these like official these officials and these rules guys now in these NFL and college football games, it was just kind of it was a it was very obvious and apparent that they didn't have a guy for a situation like this. That was again you mentioned that a situation that could have helped Oklahoma potentially save its season, and we didn't get any clarity from an official during that during that review, which would have been very helpful. But we didn't get it, and yeah, I, I haven't seen anybody really on Twitter or on, on on the internet searching that like any officials that have come out and like explained this more, which kind of leads me to believe that I think you're probably right. It looks like they bungled it. Uh, and uh, if they just, if they actually looked at that and determined that it wasn't a block, I I don't I don't understand how you can square that with reality. That's about I mean, that's about as can, plain as you possibly can get. The only explanation that I think I would accept is if there's some sort, it's like a, maybe like some sort of a judgment call and they deem that they thought that Bridges initiated the contact with the block and since he initiated he the block. Which he obviously didn't. And then still, I mean, you're I, still going to overturn I, it on a judgment call? I mean, again, you know, maybe the rule is, uh, is vague or something to where they can get by with that. I can pull up again to look at the rule. I guess I can read you the I'm just saying, rule. If for them to overturn it, they would have had to determine beyond a reasonable doubt that it was Bridges who initiated that contact, which is just simply false. Just watch it once, and it's obvious that he was not the one who initiated it. Well, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's obvious that he wasn't the one. I think you can make the claim that he was going to try to block him to try to create some space to let the ball go 10 yards for his guys to get there. Because that, that's part of the onside kick team, is that some guys' jobs are to go out and just like and make contact and hit people and create chaos. So I think you can make the argument either way that both... I don't know. I thought it was pretty them, obvious that Bridges was going to dive for the ball where he was, and he got maybe. blocked into it. So Well, here's I'm, the rule, by the way. Rule 211-4C. Forced touching results when a player's contact with the ball is due to, one, an opponent blocking him into it, or two, the ball being batted or illegally kicked into him by an opponent. If the touching is forced, the player in question by rule has not touched the ball. So, if it was deemed that an opponent blocked Bridges into the ball, that should have been Oklahoma football, which I certainly think there's a, a pretty solid argument for that being the case. And like, and like the official said, it sounds like they did consider that, which means they had to have determined beyond a reasonable doubt which means they absolutely blew it. But And that, that doesn't take away the fact that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and the entire coaching staff got completely outclassed. Doesn't change that at all. It's just uh, that happens sometimes, and they still had an opportunity to save their season, 
and uh, it was taken away from them incorrectly. All right, now that I'm watching it back again, uh, I, it's, it's definitely more clear that the Kansas State guy initiated compared to Bridges. Because it looks like Bridges, yeah, you're right, he's going to try to kind of go for the ball whenever it gets to 10 yards, but then he kind of realizes, oh, there's a guy next to me, i got to look up. And he kind of braces himself to take the contact, obviously, like anybody would do. And that's because the guy's bringing contact to him. So, yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, it's, that was bad. That was, a, that was, that was bad, and, and you know, who knows if Oklahoma would have scored to, to tie the game, or heck, who knows if, if Riley would have been really feeling himself and gone for two on the road. Well, what, the ball would <laughs> have been know. at, at K-State's 35 with like a minute 50 left? I think it was like time, a 30, 35, Time not even a yeah. factor in that situation. I know, yeah. I mean, that's just Oklahoma does that in its sleep, especially the way it was, it was moving the ball. And for the first time all game, Kansas State's defense would have had quite a bit of pressure on it, too, to make a play. Grand Oklahoma would have a lot of pressure, too, but, I mean, I, I'd have felt pretty good about the Sooners considering that they had put together some scoring drives in the last, you know, few drives. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I... I'll, I'll apologize that this was kind of a, a grab bag, kind of a random podcast where we just we ranted a lot and didn't have a whole lot of uh, in-game X's and O's substance. But uh, that's what just kind of needed to happen for this one, the way we were feeling. Hopefully this helped some of you. Oh, you know what? I always forget three-word reviews. Let's do, let's, do, let's do a few three-word reviews real fast. I apologize. I didn't get them on Facebook on Saturday, but I did put it on Twitter. And as you might expect, there's a lot of them on Twitter because – Oklahoma lost the way they lost. So, great one to help me out. Are you on Twitter? Do you have Twitter up? Uh, no, I don't. But I can, I can uh, put it up. That way, you can, you can maybe if you see something that you like that you can that I miss, you can bring up. I'm gonna go through some of them now. And credit to a lot of you guys. A lot of you guys put more than one three word review. So, uh, that's that's kind of the way it is. Um, I'll I'll go and give some credit to some of my coworkers first that I like to do. Jed Castles. At News Nine, you may all you may have seen him doing the weather in the mornings if you watch News Nine Oklahoma City. He says unexplainable defensive performance, and also he has, uh, you know what? I think that's that's good with with Jed. Yeah, I mean that's 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 true. Um, Lacey Lowry also in the morning show. We're getting a lot of News Nine morning show uh, flavor here on the podcast. <laughs> Lacey says, "Oh my gosh, yeah, not great." Uh, let's see. Our cousin is a big Kansas State fan, so I don't even know if I want to read his. Jerk. No, I'll, I'll read his. Uh, he says, Climbing for Coach of the Year. He says, C-O-Y, so it counts as three words. <laughs> Thompson for Heisman, LOL. Uh, I added the LOL part. And uh, lastly, he says, Cats for CFP. Okay, thanks, James. That Skylar Thompson performance on Saturday is, is, is going to piss me off for a long time. <laughs> Uh, ben usually gives us some three-word reviews. This one, uh, unfortunately, rings a bit true. He says, hello, Mike Stoops. There's a lot of Mike Stoops-esque calls in that game, unfortunately. Uh, David has uh, three-word reviews, and good to have David back. I, he, he chimes in here and there, and I, I feel like we haven't heard from David in a while, so good to have him back. He's got a few. He says, has happened before. I get that feeling for sure. He says, ISU was worse. So we we differ in that because we talked about that earlier in the podcast. I, I do kind of think Saturday was worse because uh, because of the defense. The, the defense was expected to be good, and uh, also Iowa State came against. Uh, I, th I think you can mention Iowa State because it was at home and also it was against a backup quarterback, so that was bad. And also Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. That so. Iowa State team had a lot better players than this Kansas State team has. David Montgomery, Hakeem Butler, Hakeem Butler. Not to mention all of basically the core of their defense right now. 
was on the field in 2017. Eh, some of their best players right now on defense, though, weren't on that team, I don't think. I mean, like, Mike Rose wasn't on that team. Mike He's Rose really wasn't there, dumb. but they had was know, a lot of the guys in their, in their front. Yeah. I don't know if Eisworth was on that team. Was he? No, I, think, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. I think he was a Juco transfer last year. So uh, we could be wrong about that. But uh, uh, more from David. He says, can still contend. True. And uh, KSU ain't horrible. That's true, too. I mean, you got to feel the I, same way when they lose at Kansas next week. I, was gonna say, I mean, yeah, best case scenario, Kansas State just goes on a roll here and go like what? Like wins like all the rest of their games and it doesn't look as bad. But at, I, I get the feeling that that's not going to happen. I, they're going to they'll lose an, a, another game or two in the Big 12. It's just that was like a, a all out great performance. Super prepared. Uh, Dylan says, unfortunately, we're pretenders. Uh, I can't really argue with you right now on that one. To be to uh, be seen. I guess we'll see. I mean, if they if they come out and right the ship against Iowa State, I think all of us will probably be feeling a little better. I freaking hate losing before bye weeks. Good, good God. <laughs> uh, Mike says, out coached. He says, there did it in two. <laughs> all Mike needed was two words instead of three, <laughs> which that's fine. Uh, Skip has more Mike Stoops thoughts. He says Stoops calling D question mark. Uh, we've seen seen a few of these commenting on the running backs and the lack of lack of snaps or not snaps, but the lack of touches. Skip says no RB play. And again, I I don't think you and I are as bothered by that as some people seem to be because I'm kind of with you. I just that the way the game played out. I mean, Oklahoma only had the ball for 22 minutes. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is always going to lead the team in rushing anyways. I, yeah, they should have established the run. Should, but, yeah, Kansas State, for whatever reason, was really good against it. Oh, you also, uh, like, what, going into the fourth quarter, they had, what, 30 snaps in the entire game? I, I mean, it sounds that's probably right. I mean, and so, uh, it, like, what do you I, – I guess, yeah, it's just the game was weird. The game – Kansas State executed their game plan to, the, to a level of perfection that is very rarely seen in sports in general. Hats off. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, not as many three-word reviews are referencing the onside kick, which I'm surprised, but Nathan does here, and he says, what's inconclusive evidence? Referencing the onside kick. Well, see, I, I think he was kind of with me that it was inconclusive, but I, you know, after the fact now that it was, it was more about the, uh, the rule of the force touching that was improperly applied, that's, that's frustrating. Uh, are you seeing any on here that you like? Benjamin says, drank rat poison. <laughs> yeah, Boy. I mean, what, what? Sure, I agree. Like, I, they weren't prepared, so. Josh has a few. I'll, I'll read just uh, a, a couple of them. He says, not playoff caliber. It certainly looks that way right now, no doubt about it. And why have RBs? Referencing the lack of run game with the running backs. Uh, let's go to Sean. Uh, Sean's a, a, a big fan of the podcast, and he's got quite a bit. He said, you know, more Mike Stoops, three-word reviews. He says, Stoops in booth, question mark. Uh, defense played soft. Yeah. Trajan Bridges' knee. And then, interesting, a little more positive at the end for Sean. He says, this shall pass. Sean is absolutely right about that. We will all be super pumped to watch OU play football on November 9th. Just let it pass. <laughs> Uh, Brian has quite a bit, but uh, you know, I like to kind of reference these onside kick ones. He says, Bridges was pushed. And then to make it clear, he put in parentheses, into the ball. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. 
Uh, Dan says national championship gone. Uh, it probably seems that way right now. Probably, yeah. Uh, Ryan says ceiling equals conference champs. Oh boy, that's that's such a bummer for for us who follow Oklahoma football. For a lot of teams in the Big Twelve, that would be like, all right, still something to play for. Sorry, we're spoiled. Uh, it, it just it winning the Big Twelve just doesn't do much for me. It just doesn't. Uh, Oklahoma's won it so many times. It's just you, you get desensitized to it, and you know that may not be fair, but that's the reality. I'm sorry, it is. Uh, you think Alabama gets jacked up about SEC titles? No, no I don't, couldn't care less not. about that. Uh, all right, you know what? I think the last one I'm going to do, and I don't really, I don't know if this is good or not. I think it's kind of creative, but I'll give Dan another shout out for this last one. He says, "Out Grinched today." I I don't really know what that means. It's obviously a negative thing. It it, it might be clever. Like, what do you think about? It? Like, it's all like it's almost like out coached. But you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into it. Out Grinch today, you know, maybe his Kansas State's defense was aggressive like Alex Grinch's defense normally are, and Oklahoma's defense was not. Boom. Out Grinched. Maybe that's what Dan was referencing. Any theories, Grant? I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I, in, in the sense that, yeah, Alex Grinch was a, was a massive problem for OU in this game. You know, I, he just he yeah he he didn't he did not have a very good game plan for this game, obviously. All right. Well, again, hopefully this helped you all somewhat uh, heal and and get by this loss. But there's only so much we can do, as you all know. Um, the plan for this next week is without the uh, with the bye week, we're gonna do like we did the last bye week and take it off. Uh, no show in the middle of the week. We'll have time to regroup think this through and uh we'll be back normal time uh next week let's see yeah to preview iowa state i think that's what we're gonna have to do and, and unless something else comes up that needs to be commented on this will be the the last podcast uh for about a, a little more like a week or so a week or a week or maybe 10 days so uh we appreciate all of you guys for listening, as always. Appreciate the support. And um, let's hope that the rest of this football season we can find some some fun, interesting things to talk about and get through because when you follow Oklahoma football, one loss means a heck of a lot. It means that there's a good chance that the ultimate goal is not attainable anymore, although Lincoln Riley says that it still is. Although they've, they've quite literally gone to the playoff three of the last four years with a loss. And, you know, I... A lot of people are if if they beat Iowa State and if they go and beat a nine and zero Baylor team on the road at night, they're gonna shoot right back up. I, I mean, it's it's gonna be tight. Things obviously still need to happen, but their playoff chances are not over completely. That's that's silly to say. I think that's a great way to end this mostly somber podcast. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. <laughs>